everyone welcome back to the career gems podcast with me dr nuretsu today i have with me a very fascinating individual who has a deep-seated knowledge of the technology sector in nigeria having been actively involved in web technology since 1996 as well as consulting on business development and strategy in 2018 to 2019, he oversaw the expansion of Technology Incubator Initiative for a Nigerian government enterprise, where more than 50 startups have been incubated since inception in 2020. He is a business development expert with a knack for ideas and solving problems. He set up four multi-million dollar companies around Nigeria as an investment holding group, where he managed a portfolio of $20 million. He is also the founder of and CEO of Dilali.com, an income expense management tool for SMEs in Africa and other emerging markets. Ibrahim Bashir. Ibrahim, welcome to the creator. Thank you very much. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good. It, it's been a bit, but yes, I, I'm, I'm good. Hanging in there, surviving. Yeah. Let's be modest. Right, with all these million dollar investment management portfolio that we just discussed, nothing like management. Well, <laughs> well, you know, you know, these these are all, yeah. They're they're. You look back and say, oh wow, I did all that. I I, I wish I had. I, I wish I had um, negotiated a better salary or a better oh, bonus yeah. or or exit plan for for these things, but. Hey, uh, the, the beauty of it is the experience that, that, that counts. I had the opportunity of doing very interesting things, which, which has led us to where we are today. Yeah, and that's the most important thing, isn't it? The experience. That can never be taken away from, from you. I mean, money finishes, but experience is forever. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, when you when you look at everything, like you mentioned, one of the companies I, I worked at, I, I, I mean, one of the groups I worked with, uh, and it was so interesting that I I had to learn a lot on the job, and the interesting part of it was was that we had to go buy land in uh, Nasara State, mm-hmm. and I can remember that. We just, you know, assuming you're buying land in, in Nigeria, you just think, okay, you go, you meet the agents, you pay, and that's it. You get the land, get the paper, sign off, and go. I had to go to the local government, register, start doing the land processing, land registration, this and that, that, all the way to the state government, which took about six months before we got the final title on the document, you know, and we had to go and meet the village head. We go to Meangua first. Then he'll sign off on it. After Meangwa, you now go to Meigari mm-hmm. or Serkingari, mm-hmm. sign off. Then you can go to the local government to go and present that but information. It was it was it was crazy, but but that that's what we had to do. So it, it was huge learnings for us that I couldn't have learned. You know, if I was, let's say, you want to buy land today now, I'm I, I, I'm now an expert in Nasara State. Yeah. I know who exactly to speak to and how to go around that that whole process. And, I mean, that leads me to, uh, to what I want to talk to you about today. I mean, you're not just a startup expert. You are, with your company now, uh, an SME financial management expert. And um, so I recently had a mentors meetup with, by She Mentors Initiative. And a lot of conversations came up with women that had small businesses. And mm-hmm. those conversations, some of those conversations were about lack of financial literacy. And mm-hmm. 
also how difficult the investment terrain is here and managing, you know, it, so let me give you an example. Everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Everyone says, oh, you should get a side hustle, be your own boss. Well, we think of the idea of what we want to have a business in, but we never really think of, unless, I mean, people like you, we never really think of the mathematics of it in terms of how you manage your financing, how you get financing, how you, you know, uh, financial knowledge, right? So there's yes. a lot of problems with commingling of funds. Like I would be using mm-hmm. salary from my work to pay someone or, you know, using money from one business to pay another person, another business. It's just lack of fine business financial discipline. So without mm-hmm. rambling, what, what are your ideas or what do you think are the biggest challenges facing small businesses in Africa, specifically in Nigeria, when it comes to financial literacy? That is a loaded Load. I know, I know. Question. Let's break it but, down now. Okay, let's 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 start this way. <laughs> um yeah I'm silent for a few seconds because I I'm thinking of how to start this 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 story because it's 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 not something that it's 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 not uncommon. I mean, yeah. it's it's a common thing, not just in Africa, but all over the world that I'm beginning to realize. Mm. You know, before I always thought that it was an African problem, but I see that for small business, it's a small business problem. Yeah. However, um, I'll, I'll start with a story why financial literacy is very, very important for everyone. Uh, when I started my first business, I couldn't afford an accountant. Mm. Right. And I had to start learning financing this and that. I mean, money in, money out. What is this? What is that? I started developing uh, sort of a business plan, which actually led me to start another business, which was developing business <laughs> plans for people. I will have one business plan that we're submitting next week to, to a client. Uh, mind you, I was a failure in school when it came to mathematics. Mm. I never passed math. I don't know math. I don't know all this uh, geometry and logic and all that. <laughs> zero. So um, when, when I started our first business, uh, which was a web design business, the biggest challenge I had was, first, we started very early. And many people looked at us and said, ah, small boy, what are you doing with this kind of money? Um, we're not going to, we, we can't pay you in full because we don't know whether you take the money and run away. Mm. So they'll pay us in part and everything. Mm. What happened after that was you get you, you do a job for like 50,000 naira then and your client pays you 25k or pays you 30k and there's a balance of, you know, let's say they pay you 30k, there's a balance of 20k to collect. You finish the job, you're chasing another 50k or 100k job. Which one will you bother yourself with? You, you look and say, this person is owing me 20k, but there's another client that wants to pay me 80k for a job and they are going to pay 60k up front i will chase the 60k job and leave the 20k however what happened was that these numbers started adding up so after doing business for like five years i i mean the business ran for four years 2003 to 2008 no five years after doing that i, I did some calculations and i think it was around 2007 or 2008 we met mm. and and when I did the calculations, I realized that I'd lost like close to 20 million naira like that. 
Yes. So it explained why I didn't have a car. <laughs> I couldn't buy a house or buy a plot of land or do this or do that or, or, or do so many things. Mm-hmm. And we started, I started talking with other people and realized that they also had the same problem. Yeah. Right? So what you realize is that even if it's when we talk about financial or understanding numbers or understanding finances, we tend to think very far. Yeah. But the very simplest things of discipline, structure, consistency is what matters the most. For example, taking notes of okay, this is how much I've this is how much I have made, or this is how much I've charged my clients for this for my services or my product, this is how much I'm collecting or I'm being owed. How do you follow up on that money? Because that is your sweat. Mm you know, to get that. These things, by the time you start to assess, you see that you begin to understand the nature of your business more and that would lead to less failure. Most of us run cash flow businesses and not profit-based businesses. Yes. So my idea is I've made, I've collected money. I collect the money. I'll use it to pay for everything. But do I even know what is the cost of my business? The cost of your business, whether you're a service or your product, is the A, if it's a service, is the value of your time. Have you costed your time? Right? So, for example, I, I've started many businesses. You, you, you know, <laughs> um, one of the businesses I did was Mehoto, mm. right? And Mehoto is a photography business. I, I, I started photography as a hobby, mm. and all of a sudden, people kept asking me, Oh, you take nice photographs. Can you cover this? Can you do this? And I started doing. Um, wedding photography and events. So what I did was I said, okay, I'm not going to make the same mistake I made the last time. So what did I do? I sat down and started calculating the value of my time, not just equipment, but my time. And based on that, I was able to come up with a pricing strategy that paid for my time as well as equipment. So when I was negotiating with customers, it wasn't based on, I'll look and say, oh, or I'll look at the person and say, oh, you are this. I put in something that was based on, hey, this is what my time is worth, and this is what I will charge you for that. And I kept tweaking as we went because nothing was was perfect. And that's how we started building things. So financial literacy, um, again, for me, not being a finance, someone that has a financial background, but doing a lot of things in 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 business is that I understand that what businesses really need at the end of the day is to understand just the most basic of things, mm. which is their numbers. It's not complicated. It sounds complicated, but it's actually very, very simple. Yeah, it's simple, but it's something that is completely overlooked most and that is why you see a lot of businesses having to close down because i mean you have the nice building you you start up with a nice product or a nice office and then uh, one year down the line you'll be looking for the office and it's nowhere to be found and really bottom line is financial crisis and it doesn't have to be a capital issue there are other costs that just crop up especially in nigeria setting up a business it's quite challenging when it comes to even regulations and payments you have to make to even governments to be able to sustain yourself, right? And mm-hmm. and and I know for for me having uh, a commodity or customer service type of business, 
where a lot of our expenses are to, to pay for those types of services, right? There's a lot that comes in. Environmental signage, this, this, food, like there's so many. And when people are, are telling you to start up a business, really people don't tell you about it. All you think mm-hmm. about is the CAC registration. <laughs> you think mm-hmm. that's the only main thing you owe the government, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes FIRS, because we, let's face it, a lot of businesses don't even pay tax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, so that that that's that's a really good point, and yeah. I'll give you a perfect example. There's one of my guys. He he's uh, he runs a restaurant, mm. right? At the time he when he opened the restaurant, the the, the complex. I, I'm sure you know the complex. Uh, at this complex, what was the interesting thing was that the ground floor was mostly restaurants and very nice businesses that had to do with restaurants, confectionery, everything, food. About four or five of them. For the four years or so that he was there, his business was the only one that started with the building until he decided to shut it down, Mm. right? And what did he do? Before he started, he sat down and spent about between three to six months studying the market. This guy sat down and said that he came from, uh, interestingly, from Kano State, he he sat he he was he was just gisting us one day that we were like how are you surviving and the rest are not, and he said that he sat down for three months every day, for three months he was going to one bus stop, around the area, sat down there and was observing traffic, um, human traffic, mm-hmm. what people were doing, how people were moving, the timing they were the time they spent. You know, what was what 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 were they always looking for in that area? Right? And that's how he set up his first restaurant. He now saw that okay, this is a major hub. So for those that maybe are living in Lagos or are familiar with Lagos, you say somewhere like an Ojo Elegba or or an Ikeja bus stop type of area, right? He sat down and really understood and studied that traffic. Then he started asking questions. He started sitting down with the people that had shops in that area. What are your biggest challenges? He formed a rapport. Mm. That is what you call research. So most of us, we sit down and say, oh, wow, this business is going to make a lot of sense. Ah, man, two, three people have said it's a nice idea. And there's a book called The Mom Test by, I think, I always refer to this book. I just finished reading it, interestingly, last month. And it was one of the books I recommended for people to read, teaching people how to ask the right questions, mm. right? So when we always think about all this research, we, we think of it from an academic perspective. Your research may just be a conversation with someone, where you're just talking and saying, oh, okay, and it's it's leading on to you're finding out things and you can always go back. So this guy spent three months understanding the human traffic of the area. So when he finally opened and he observed the people, mm. so he knew that the people that are coming to this place are below average. Mm. So a plate of food that costs more than 15 naira for him, mm. right, was not going to work. Yeah. In that area, he wouldn't have sold, right? So, and there'll be a complete mismatch if he goes to a highbrow area like the plaza I've told you about Mm. to set up a 15 naira booker because those are not the kind of people that go to that place. Mm. So, he understood the market, 
and started working out his pricing around that. And that helped him in determining where he should even buy his ingredients, mm. his food stuff. You know, what type of negotiation does he need to do? What type of supplier does he need to get? How is he going to adjust the prices? How, is, how much is he going to pay his staff? Then the other things like everything around community, local government, this, that, and that, helped him determine that, okay, these are the challenges that he's going to face. So most of the time we rush to go and start, but we've not spent enough time to understand the, 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 the dynamics mm. of, of, of the market. So I, I think that's, that's something worth uh, for, for people to actually, for every entrepreneur to, to think through. Mm. Business takes time, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's something that you need to realize that you hear a lot of stories of people succeeding. Right, but this is usually one percent of the case. Ninety-nine percent of the time, it is a hard grind. And go and look at all the people that have succeeded, including the outliers that, um, or the the what I call the the um, they they differ from the norm. It's not it's not normal, but it's, yes, they love successful business. But when you look at the real successful businesses, they've been in it for ten years. Mm. So when you're talking and looking at other businesses, and when you count 10 years, it's not the day they open their shops yeah. or outlets. Yeah, a lot outlets. of failed attempts <laughs> Exactly. There are failed attempts. There are times they're running from home. Mm. You started your confectionery thing when you, you started learning. Mm. Uh, that was in 2007, right? Yeah. Where, where what? Where 2021, mm. <laughs> you know? So... Without revealing our ages, yeah. we, you can see that it's it's, it's, it's it takes time. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's 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 and and most of the time we give up at the beginning. Mm. So that that's that's those are some of the challenges that we see. And trust me, these challenges that you're talking about, everyone always thinks that it's only Nigeria. Yes, local government is frustrating, This um, state government and all these type of taxes and everything, right? Yes, they exist. But the question is, how do you deal with it? Because if you're in other environments the or other countries, the regulation that you go through, the taxes that you pay, I'm telling you, it's like to the neck. You don't know it, but that's actually the case anywhere in the world. And the standards that you have to meet. So in Nigeria and some other countries in Africa, it's a great opportunity for us mm-hmm. to actually take advantage of the system mm-hmm. to, to work for us. And I think it's important, I don't know at what level, maybe at university level, to teach some entrepreneurial courses. One does shouldn't have to go to business school to learn about the regulatory bodies that exist for you to have an operational business. Because we know that everyone graduating is not going to end up in the job market. Right? The university is grooming uh, future entrepreneurs as well. But you find that in the courses we have in school, whether it's business administration or, or whatever, or, or public administration or whatever, they don't really tell you about these other things. One has to go out and look for this information themselves or decide, mm-hmm. even when you go to business school, it's like they're talking about the, the, the other, you know, how you attract a customer, customer relation, retention, service, delivery. 
these mm-hmm. other things like regulations, standardizations. What are your thoughts on that? Um, education is 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 broken. That's that's the number one thing in Nigeria because. When, when you look at things, right, uh, you see that we're still teaching ourselves the same way we, I mean, our parents were taught 40 years ago, right? Why must someone go to university to study entrepreneurship? Mm. You, you don't need that, mm. right? What you need is uh, more vocational training. The, what school should teach you? My dad used to say this. He said, your first degree doesn't mean that you're a specialist in that, yeah. It's when you do a master's that you become a specialist. That's from university degree. Your university degree teaches you how to ask the question why. Whether you study maths, engineering, it's, it's just it, it to teach you how to think logically. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's why a lawyer can run an, an, an engineering business or an engineer can run a marketing business where a doctor may make a, a very good uh, restaurant owner. Mm. Right? Uh, I'm not trying to degrade these degrees or anything like that but what what i'm saying is that we need to change the way we educate ourselves and education really starts doesn't start at the university level it Mm. starts at the primary level Mm. you know kindergarten how do you teach kids you know the basics of common sense yeah. <laughs> right? I, I, like, there's, there's, there's a friend of mine, the, the daughter is in school, and their school, what they teach the children is they, they have the toys and everything. You want to play with a toy? No problem. You can play with any toy you want. Right? But you only play with one at a time. Mm. Right? And when you finish playing with that toy, you take it back yourself, drop it on the shelf, and take the next toy you have. Mm-hmm. Guess what? This girl was five years old. She just turned six. And we went out somewhere. We were in the park. And in the park, there was a sign that said where we were sitting was a, a place, a reading area. And they put, uh, you can't use your phone mm-hmm. in this area. I sat down. I was, I was talking to someone on my phone. I didn't even see the sign. <laughs> the girl tapped her father and pointed to the sign and said, no, you're not meant to do that. That is teaching the... It's building discipline. the child's confidence, discipline, and understanding. Mm. And you see, that discipline now continues with that child as they grow. You know? So even before getting to the... In finishing primary school, she's already been taught uh, these accountability structure you know structure respect values exactly exactly for you to take something back to itself it means you value mm -hmm. that thing enough to not but if you have abundance right you're paying everything it it, it takes away from that feeling of this thing is valuable and me learning from it is yeah exactly how many of us go to university I mean, in, in Nigeria, we have, uh, what, 60% of our population is below the age of 30, mm. 40 below the age of 14. Uh, you're, talking, you're talking about almost uh, 80 uh, million children, of which we give birth to about 5 million children a year mm. in Nigeria. That's the size of New Zealand, mm. that we give birth to children every year. And how many people get into university? 600,000. There are 2 million applicants or 1.4 million applications to to university exams. So 
what, what needs to be done is entrepreneurship should not be taught at universities, but at primary and secondary school. Yeah. You know, because as, as, as you, are, you are taught, like some people, for example, in Germany, they have this uh, vocational training program that when you finish secondary school or so, you, you can go for this apprenticeship mm. uh, program before getting into university. Or you may be in university when you finish, you do a two, three year entrepreneur, uh, uh, um, apprenticeship studying business. Mm. So you spend two years being educated about business and not business in school, mm. but business in the practical sense yeah. where you're working for organizations almost free. Mm. I mean, in the Southeast, you already have that with, with people that build shops uh, and, and all those traders yeah. that go for those kind of trainings. So how do we take those systems and incorporate that? Because if you look at it, that mentorship or that um, apprenticeship program works. Because oh, yeah, how many of those businesses fail? Because they've spent seven years learning. Mm. You know, before you get your, like mechanics call it freedom. Yeah. You have to serve under someone for a period of time to build that that understanding. So for me, I'll say that um, that's something, I mean, that, that's my personal opinion anyway about about these things when it comes to education. Education is broken and we need to change it completely. Yeah, yeah and, and like you said, in especially in northern Nigeria, there's a lot of idleness with youth, right? And even with the educational system, it's very, very old school. Like the, the LEA primary school curriculum is the same one that was used, I think, since independence. They are reading the same books that were read way, way 30, 40 years ago, right? And those things are not entirely relevant at this point. So you find them also leaving, going to school in under very, very difficult circumstances, graduating from those schools with no prospects. Mm-hmm. because there's nothing, no structure around. And they have, like uh, like you said, industries. There are local industries that could be a thing, and that would build a lot of yes. interest in, in skill acquisition, in establishing mm-hmm. uh, enterprise and things like mm-hmm. that. And yeah, there, it is broken. There's a lot mm-hmm. of gaps there that need to be filled. Uh, and it's something that mm-hmm. it, it's something that is missing in Africa. Mm-hmm. When you look at, when you look at, like, my dad, when he used to go to Asia a lot, he had a tailor in Hong Kong, mm. right, where he sold his suits. Till tomorrow, my dad's suits from that tailor in Hong Kong was better than anything that he bought off the shelf somewhere mm. and it was customized. You find out that that, that particular tailor, and it's a small shop, not mm. anything big, Fancy, yeah. they've, they've been doing it for five generations. You hear of uh, Swiss chocolates are the best mm. because they've been doing it for generations or the Swiss watch. Yeah. You know, any type of Swiss watch you think of, you you check, you see that, you hear that there been like seven, eight generations mm. in uh, that gradually it becomes part of their DNA. Mm. You know, so how do we build this kind of sustainable uh, businesses that can be passed from one generation to the next, mm. you know, how can we um, change our system? So for, for, for me, like in education, I think the biggest drawback in education and, and Finland has broken that jinx is examinations. Yeah. That's well, the, yeah. that is the, that is the bane of our problem mm. in, 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 
in, in Nigeria, for example, because every time you have to write an exam, mm. look, um, I've never said this before, but just recently I found out that I was, um, I'm, I'm dyslectic. Mm. I, I had a serious problem and I, I, I used to fail a lot in school, mm. you know, so I, I had this, had this challenge of learning yeah, and no one knew. Mm. till today many people don't know mm. and there are a lot of us that suffer from dyslexia mm. right uh, and and you're just talked down upon and 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 embarrassed and disgraced that you don't know anything mm. you are dumb you can never make anything mm. of yourself mm. you know so and 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 these are the challenges that we face mm. in university from primary from nursery all the way to secondary school about it is that when they tested the students the, um, with uh, against other students around the world the fans came out on top why you know and that's something that has been learned over 25 years so so it's it's showing that it's a system that works if we abolish exams for example and allow people just and everyone learns at a different pace you can't there's no one size educate that's why I say education is broken. There's no one size fits all. Because you're in a class, everyone should learn at the same pace. No. Each person will have its own area of specialization or, or abilities and and uh, can can nurture or build on that. Yeah. Yeah. Exams are pressure, unnecessary pressure to, mm-hmm. to perform. It, it's yes. like it's like being sent on a stage to perform when you're yes. when you have stage rights. Right. Uh-huh. You might have memorized your lines you might have understood everything but then the spotlight is on you and then you mm-hmm. just clamp up mm-hmm. i had that issue too with exams i wasn't i mean i went to a school for gifted children i was supposedly a gifted child finished everything yeah. early <laughs> you know the overachiever but still uh, i didn't like exams because I, I, on the other hand, felt like I had ADD, right? I don't know how to sit down and focus on one thing at the same, you mm-hmm. know, at, at once for a long time. It's mm-hmm. something that I had to learn over the years with age and maturity. But as a child, and I see it now in my son, I can be very restless. And <laughs> exams were torturous to me because I was made to sit down for an hour or two and mm-hmm. expected to put down things that I feel like I already know them, and you know I know them. So why are you asking me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So, so yeah. I, I mean, it explains a lot of things, but but the the the, the part the, the part that only stuck to me is that you are gifted, and I'm just looking at myself like, oh no, I can't <laughs> get past school school of the overachievers. Yeah. We even the gate we will not smell. Yeah. I know. I remember going to that school. To me, it was it, the only times we knew we were different was when we had to go for like competitions with other schools, like with, mm-hmm. with other maybe government schools or, or regular private schools, and we had to go for all this debate or math test, and 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 they would be like, oh, it's, they're coming from the school. You know, like, and then we were like the Avengers attending, <laughs> and that was the only time we would know that there was a difference. But even then, I was a misfit because I didn't feel like I belonged a lot mm-hmm. of the times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was put in there because people knew I could grasp things fast, but mm-hmm. I didn't like taking notes. I still don't, right? Mm-hmm. I still don't like to write, 
I like to just assimilate, observe and assimilate. Mm -hmm. I didn't like taking notes. I didn't like tests. I didn't like exams. I would fail exams and teachers would be stunned. Like, you you know this thing. How come you fail? Because Mm. my brain doesn't want to write it down. Like, I don't feel like I, I can be stable enough to <laughs> sit and write these things down. And I, I never got the, the point of it. So, mm-hmm. so that's to say that you can have different types of, I agree with you, that there are different types of, type of individuals and the, the system shouldn't be designed in a one-size-fits-all type of structure mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's not the way everyone learns. I mean, mm-hmm. however, bringing back to what we're talking about, there are things that are essential to us being productive as as uh, mm-hmm. members of the society, and, and a lot of that comes down to how we are able to manage resources, whether it's time, money, or I mean, at this point, emotion is even a resource, right? Yeah, it, it is. It is a major, especially in these hard times. Yes. So <laughs> it's it's a major thing, and, and about resource management, I'll, I'll give you. Uh, a perfect example of, of a friend of mine. Um, he he, brilliant guy, lawyer, and he said to me that growing up, his grandmother used to, you know, she she used to supervise him a lot. So every time he got money, the grandmother would say, "Open uh, like she she always collected half of the money mm-hmm. from him. She always took half of the money from him all the time." Mm-hmm. And he was like, "What's wrong?" with this woman why is she always taking half as I said save that half mm. the remaining half you, I mean you can that is what you survive on mm. and he built that habit Saving. that to the point where he was now telling me that his salary he only uses half of it I'm like how do you survive because for me I can't survive with half of my salary <laughs> because you know you have things calling for it mm. but that discipline has been built in that yeah. he's adjusted his his realities to that 50%. And imagine that he has been saving half of whatever he makes. All his life. <laughs> for the past 30 years. Mm. And he still has that saving consistently. You know? So these, these are the things that you begin to build, those habits. Another book that I read very early on was The Richest Man in Babylon. It's a short book. It's about 70, 80 pages or so. Very, very, and I'm a slow reader, so it took me like two months to read. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like it was a very, very good book because it explained how, and I actually tried it. It says, save, is it one third of whatever you make, right? Or something like that. I think save 20% or 25% or something like that. So for every time you save 20% of your income, for example, at the end of one year, you have the equivalent of three months full income. So let's say you're earning 100,000 naira and you're saving 20,000 naira every month or something like that. Or I think 25,000, that's 25% every month. At the end of one year, you have what? 300,000 naira. Right, twenty-five, yeah, twenty-five percent of whatever you you make. So three hundred thousand naira is, I mean, twenty-five times twelve months is three hundred thousand naira, which is equivalent of three months. So if you continue to save that set amount every month for the next ten years, you have the equivalent of three years salary. 
So if anything happens, you're good for three years. You have three years to make your next move. Exactly. So if you want to start a business now, you know that if I'm paying myself X amount every month for the next three years, mm. I'm okay. So if you're year one and you see that you've just pissed year one away, you have two years left. Mm. If by year one, 1. 1.5, you're not anywhere, then you know that, okay, I need to redo my plan yeah. or I may need to get another source of income to, to, mm. to get this thing because I have one and a half years to 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 get things together some people may say they don't have that 10 years right no problem you can start small mm. right one of the things is that the most interesting businesses i've seen people do have have come out of hobbies yeah. and things that they're genuinely interested in doing if you're doing it for the money then it's difficult because you lose interest and the thing with business is that everyone goes through that rite of passage where you will struggle Mm-hmm. And the struggle is real, you know, and you start wondering, why did I even get into this in the first place? So that motivation and interest is what will get you up every day and push you to, 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 to soldier on or to, to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. So um, these are things that people need to consider. And you may fail. You will fail. Right, but failure is only registered when you've given up. You fail, you learn from it, you pick up and you move forward. Mm. Right, and if you now start to factor in failure as part of the process, you begin to learn. Mm. And once you learn from that failure, okay, we made this mistake, this and that, that. here, let's try it again and let's adjust it. I've spent six months um, attending a program, and one of the biggest things they say is test every single thing. And if it doesn't work, test again. Try it another way until it works. Mm-hmm. Persistence, consistency, all those things yes. are true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Winking mm-hmm. it is not an option. Well, Winking it can help you maybe at the beginning. And, and you see, another thing that we, we tend to spend too much time on dwelling is we're looking to build the perfect product mm-hmm. or we're looking for building the perfect business. When we start, the first thing we think of is, let me get a shop or let me get an office. I have chairs. I hire this. I hire that person. This person will do this. This person said, no. The first eight months, don't even hire anyone. Do every single thing. Yeah. Because once you do everything, you begin to understand. And not just you, you understand the process. Mm. That's one. Number two, it's no longer it's not the word empathize because you understand by doing Mm. when you hire someone, let's say you hire someone like, Oh, I'm hiring a salesperson. You, you've already done that sales process. Yes. So you know know that Mm. you know exactly what it is. So if a salesperson comes and tells you, ah, I'm going to, I'm going to sell 100 of these items per day. And you as the person that tried it before, you know that the highest you could sell was five. You look at the person and ask how, Mm. When you ask how, the person will say, oh, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do that. So, well, I doubt it if you'll be able to do it, but I'm open to learning. Mm. And the person should go out. If the person should come back and is only able to sell three, you know that that person is not the right fit for you. You let the person go mm. and move on to find the next person. You know, But because you understood or you've gone through that, it's no longer you're empathizing with the person, but you've understood that process. Mm. And what it takes to get that thing. Mm. So it makes it easy for easier for you to manage other people that join your your business at that very early stage. Yeah. 
Second thing is that always you don't have to build the perfect product first. You may you may start with an idea. We mentioned research earlier. Mm. Then you start to test it. Testing may be, and you see, that's the beauty of online today. It has, it has helped a lot of things. Not all businesses are online, but it's a first step. Yeah. You may just go as simple as opening an Instagram account mm. and advertising, maybe putting four, 5,000 naira into advertising for a few days and see if people bite, if people are interested. So when we, when we were starting Delali, our journey on Delali was when I saw that this problem of managing money or just keeping track of everything is, 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 is it's my biggest challenge. I started talking with other people. And when I talk to other people, anybody you talk to, everybody will say Nigeria the happiest people in the world. Anybody you talk to, they'll say, yes, I agree. Oh, yes, it's a fine idea. This other, spoke to a few people. Then I said, okay, I need to find people I don't know at all. So what do I do? I went to Facebook and ran a Facebook ad. I spent a um, total of 8,000 naira mm. on the Facebook ad saying, oh, it, I didn't even call it Delali. I called it, we, we didn't even have the name then. Mm. So we called, we just came up with one funny name and put it and said, oh, do you want to manage your invoices? And that was what it was at that, mm. at that time. Mm. If you want to use a tool like this, come and pre-register, blah, blah, blah. After two weeks, after two days, one person signed up. Mm. And after the end of two weeks, we had 26 people that signed up. Guess what? We didn't have a product. Mm. And it's taken us four years, no, three years to build the first version of the product. Mm. But we had people that were interested. And that was what really drove us to say, okay, you know what? Let's, let's try it and see. Right? And even right now, we're still in the process of trying to understand even our users, our audience, how they're using it. So it's, it's a continuous and iterative process that we keep testing and adjusting. So the thing is that we had zero Naira, we had zero customers, but all the money that we spent in starting Delali was very, very little at the end of the day, which was, I'll say, that 8,000 Naira that we started with, which was, let's get, after our research, let's get to understand what people, whether other people outside our network will, will be interested in it. And once we got that interest, that was when I started pushing and saying, okay, we need to build, we need to build a version that works. Mm. And we started, and when we finally built the first version, it was crap. Mm. It wasn't good. It was very basic. There lots of errors, mm. but we got 36 businesses to sign up with it. Mm. And we knew that, okay, yes, those first 20 something that signed up, we don't know where they are. <laughs> We've tried contacting them, everything, nothing. Mm. But we knew that people would buy. Mm. And that was how we got, when we launched the MVP, we had 36 businesses. They complained, it's useless, it is this. Again, the negativity, it was mm. terrible. Mm. There was someone that wrote something really nasty. Mm. Guess what? We didn't personalize it mm. or internalize it in a way from a from a negative perspective, we took it as good feedback and we said, we wanted more of that. Mm. So we listened, the person said, oh, it's just like using Microsoft Word, it's not this, it's not that, it's not this, it's not that. Mm. And we went and built and improved on it. Mm. Guess what? The person, that same person that criticizes now sent a message and said, when can I download the app? I really need it. Mm. 
you know so that person that we thought was not our customer mm-hmm. has turned to uh, to to a user today mm-hmm. so it's it's the same thing for 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 everyone is to is to start and continue to test you don't need to have the perfect product before going out we can we can do different examples um, i like to hold workshops uh, of such and show people how they can I mean, to, 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 to go through their business ideas and help them build or seed from a very pragmatic uh, perspective in terms of rolling out. And that's usually the biggest problem, isn't it? Where this, this, the quest for perfection, and I think it's, it's, it's founded on fear, right? People are so afraid of looking like they don't know what they're doing, that they're too desperate create a perfect product <laughs> you know you don't want mm-hmm. to seem like you don't have your stuff together and a lot of people can handle the criticism so you spend a lot of money trying to make your business look amazing and mm-hmm. and, and and that perfection from the beginning like you're saying is is really not it shouldn't be the goal because you need to go through the teething problems you need to go through the the the, the negativity to appreciate what you have. But I think it's because a lot of people are afraid of seeming like they didn't do the right thing, that they always spend the time to, oh, let me just get an office, let me get uh, staff, let me look like I'm legit, <laughs> you know, so that I'm not ridiculed. But I agree with you. It's like when I started my initiative, a friend of mine was calling to ask me that she wants to start uh, an NGO, that she wants to hire a consultant and she needs. Uh, also someone to help her with. Like, I was like, what? You don't need anybody. Right? Even though you have a full-time job, you can do these things. Just strategize your time. Because you, you can do this thing. Like it, you, you need to just learn all that needs to be learned to be able to do it. Understand it and do your research. Learn how to do the, like, even with my website, I'm doing it myself, right? So there's nothing that... You don't need people immediately. And that's how you know where the kinks are. Because when you start doing, like if, if, if say I should get someone to clear manage my site or my blogs or whatever, if they mess up, I know because I know, I know how much time I spend on it. I know the design process, right? I know the alignments, the, the graphics that should be where and when, you know? So it, it, it really, uh, like you said, you become your own worst critic, that by the time you bring someone on, you know what you expect. And if they're not able to deliver to what you expect, you should be open to learning if there's another way to do it. And if the other way does not align with your own set goals, then you make a new strategy or you get a new person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, um, very, very true. And, and, and that's something that a lot of people... Uh, you know, perfection, especially in our society, it's 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 something that is expected, and failure is is stigmatized, and mm. everyone is like, "Oh, I'll never patronize this person again," and mm. stuff. One thing that we need to state, or I need to state, is that even if you're going to build something crappy, does not mean that you go and build nonsense, yeah, and put out right. It has to need to have, like I said, value before, in it, yeah. 
yes and common sense mm. in it 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 needs to have a minimum standard that mm. that you can you can put out and one thing at least one thing should work perfectly mm. you know in the whole scheme of things maybe it's just a smile on your face and, hey welcome and this <laughs> maybe that customer service or that customer engagement mm. is perfect and they're like oh this product is crap but their customer service is excellent i'll give them a second chance mm. And on and on like that. And you'll be surprised how much people are willing to contribute or suggest mm. to you. There's one of our users, he signed up for it, and the guy called us. We said, oh, we'll be happy to share information. The guy, almost every two weeks, we talk with him. Oh, I thought about this for your product. Have you thought about ABC? They're willing to contribute. Free of charge at no cost. Right? And the other thing you mentioned earlier is the value of your time. Many people feel that they need to hire so many people to do things. But one of the biggest challenges we have is, is managing our time, especially in Nigeria. You know, you never know where time goes. But you need to start building that discipline where you say, okay, you know what? On a daily basis, if I set aside two hours, two hours of my time every day for the next three months... Right. Let's even forget weekends and just mm. say two hours a day. That's ten hours a week. Mm. That's forty hours a month. That's a lot. Of right. And for the next two two months, that's eighty hours. Three months, one hundred and twenty hours. Mm. If you can shut down everything and just work for one hour, one hour of pure concentrated work, you'll be surprised what you get. You may even do a whole week's worth of work in one hour. Mm-hmm. Right. So so that's that's one. And you mentioned something like there's this lady I know um, when she started her business, she, she was trying to build a website. It was the marketplace she was building. The, the, she was so frustrated with the, the people she was working with. And she sat down and, and, and learned how to just put something very, very basic. Yeah. Yes. Templates together. So I was able to put her picture. It wasn't the best of things, but it worked. Guess what? She used that template business, her cheapest investment, her lowest investment because she did it herself. And that year she made $100,000. And I'm not talking about, uh, when I mean $100,000, the, the, the business is based in Abuja, mm. right? And by the second year, the first half of the second year, they had already hit $200,000 in revenue. You know, and it was after that they started talking about getting an expert to come and help mm. them do the thing. So, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, these things happen and, and just you being able to appreciate your time mm-hmm. and using it well, you, you'll be surprised what, what you can do. And again, it still comes down to the interest, whether you are interested in it, how passionate are you about this thing and how much are you willing to, to, to learn and sacrifice in getting these things done. Yeah, so, I mean, as we're running up the conversation, the last thing I want to ask, you mentioned it at the beginning of our conversation, is pricing your time. I think a lot of people have that challenge. I also still am learning how to do that, especially when you're not dealing with a product, right? Mm-hmm. When you're selling a service, mm-hmm. especially women, I've talked to a lot of women, and they have this challenge of putting a worth their time or to their skills is is something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, I remember talking to one of my friends and she wanted to have a webinar and she was struggling to, to 
price for it. And it's like, what do I charge people? What, you know, like, how do I do that? How do I get value? What if nobody pays? What if, you know, or, or even with me, like starting my coaching business, like how do I, are people willing to pay for this service, right? So what do you find are the common mistakes people make when pricing for their time? Because it's it's something that to the outside, it's not very tangible. It's not a product, but it's tangibility is in the value it adds, right? So that's, struggle or that's an internal uh, wrestling you do with yourself thinking I don't want to seem too greedy or I don't want to undervalue myself or how does that work? In fact, I, I need to organize maybe with you, with, with your audience, anyone that is interested in, in doing this because mm-hmm. you are the second person this week asking me about pricing mm-hmm. uh, and the difficulty in setting the right price. There is no pricing. It's almost it's both a science and an art, mm. especially when it comes to service-based uh, businesses. So there are ways that you can build your pricing. I, I build pricing models. So mm. the ways that we can build a pricing model that aligns to your realities, right? And one of the things is that first of all, you can look at your competition, what is being charged. You look at First of all, the, 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 usually a question I ask myself when I was setting the third May Hotel was that I asked myself, what is my ideal salary that I want to earn in a month? A livable wage. Ideally, I want to earn 100 million naira mm. a month. I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, that's not ideal. That's wishful. Yeah. Right? But if I come back and say I want to earn about, let's say, 750,000 naira, or even two millionaire, mm. right? I can break this two million. Let's let's even say two millionaire. I can break this two millionaire down into an hourly cost. Yeah. To say okay, two millionaire divide that by hundred and sixty hours in a month, because it's usually forty hours a week, you know. And you start to build that. You start to build that on. But for a business that is a side hustle. I won't do that because I already earn from my regular job and this job I do is on weekends. Then I will price it accordingly to say, yes, if it's two millionaire, yes, I'm getting to two millionaire. I'm already earning 500K from here or I'm earning 200,000 from here. This, my time is worth, for for the hours I'm going to spend, it's worth this. Mm. So if I'm organizing a webinar, how many hours am I going to do, put into organizing that webinar? Mm. I mean, I'll say, oh, the webinar is one hour. That's not your cost. Mm. What's the cost of time preparing for that webinar? I may do another three hours preparing for the webinar, mm. right? Uh, my experience is also there. Uh, the one hour for the webinar, right? And maybe a few other costs associated with it, right? And when you when you look at that and say, okay, ideally, like I said, it's a hack for me and don't know how the finance people do it but this is how i will do it <laughs> and how, how it has worked yeah. for me which is okay ideally my webinar is going to be one hour i'm spending a total of five hours on it my hourly cost is let's say fifty thousand naira per hour so that five hours is two hundred and fifty thousand naira. my webinar is supposed to have 20 people or something like that or my webinar should have 10 people then those 10 people will pay what? 25,000 naira yeah. per person. Yeah. 
you know, oh, can people afford 25,000 naira? The answer may be no. And you need to expand the 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 pool of, 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 of users, which is going to cost me more in advertising, then you start to adjust and and organize. Mm. So that that's that's the way the way I see it. Well, like you said, I think we need to expand this by creating some sort of masterclass, right? Pricing masterclass. And I think uh, yeah. it's something that is very, very necessary that we do. Because and we'll, is- we'll, we'll, we'll do a free one to, yeah. to start with. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because so any, anyone that wants to sign up. Yeah, it, it is very necessary. It's questions I get a lot. Everybody mm-hmm. has a side hustle. Everyone wants to do something. But... Mm-hmm. Pricing is a challenge. But. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. All right, Ibrahim. Thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, your knowledge and enthusiasm to share with all our listeners about uh, resilience, research, startup management, and, uh, you know, as we said at the end of this conversation, a little bit about pricing. But I also want to talk about your your products, mm-hmm. Mali. So can mm-hmm. you tell us more about it? I know it's an expense management platform. Where can you find it? Who it mm-hmm. for? What kind of business needs it? And so on. Okay. So uh, my pitch is Delali is like your digital bookkeeper or your digital accountant, which helps you in keeping track and keeping records of everything. So for example, you sell something, you can record a sale digitally on, on Delali, either on your phone using our app or on the website uh, through the web web app. Uh, you can invoice your clients, share it via WhatsApp, download the PDF, add your logo and your branding to it, uh, all that. But more importantly, it enables you to see that if a client has paid you, you enter how much you've been paid. It does all the calculations for you. You see if, if it's a deposit and you still have a balance, it shows you all those things. In addition to that, you can capture your expenses. You can record the list of products you have or services that you offer, set the price and everything, which allows you to quickly bill your clients in, in less than two minutes. Um, we also have insights where you see how your business is performing uh, based on the data that you've you've put into the platform. So the whole idea of Delali is to make your life simple, I mean easier or less stressful by taking all the numbers and we doing all that hard work for you and presenting that information in a way that you can uh, process, understand it and also share with uh, your accountant or anybody in, in the future if, if, if you need it. So Delali is for anyone that runs a business whether you are a service-based business, whether you're a fashion designer, and more importantly, Delali is built for Nigeria. It's built for Nigerian businesses, and these are the problems that we faced when we were running business and still face. So, I mean, it has been an interesting conversation, and uh, I look forward to hearing your comments and feedback this podcast, and find Spotify, Apple Podcast, anywhere you can.